The NBA playoffs are here, and we have you covered with the Ringer NBA show hosted by Chris Vernon. Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, all through the postseason, you can hear the Ringer's NBA experts, media members, coaches, players, breaking down all of the action. Make sure you subscribe to the Ringer NBA show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to GM Street. I'm Tate Frazier, and across from me today, Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how are you? I'm great, Tate. A week to go. Draft. We'll finally get this over with. Going. Right. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. The NFL Draft is right around the corner. We're officially a week away from the start of the NFL Draft. A lot of people are talking about all the big offseason uh, topics across the board in the NFL. A lot of people are talking about the White House visit yesterday. There's, yeah. a, there's tons of storylines out in the NFL world, but we're here to talk about draft stuff today. Yep, absolutely. And what we're going to do, we're going to frame this. This is like Mike Lombardi is going to offer up his 20 best players. There's going to be 10 offense players, 10 defensive players, and we're going to run run through all these guys, and we're going to call it the 21 answers to your problems. <laughs> Not the 21 questions, the 21 answers. Um, first up, we're going to do number 10s on the defensive side of the ball because defense wins championships, Mike Lombardi. First up, Reuben Foster, inside linebacker, Alabama Crimson yeah. Tide. What do you like about Reuben Foster, and why is he one of the guys you want to see in the NFL for quite some time? It's hard to find middle linebackers that can play three downs. Okay, mm-hmm. so starting with that, and and I never want to hear any more about being third down because first down is, is a passing down as well. So, you know, my big thing is anytime you can put a formation on the field that takes a player off, the player's value goes way down. Yep. And Foster can stay on the field. Foster's problem isn't when he plays football. Foster's problem is durability and some of the red flags that have come up in his career. I mean, he's got some background issues. The people at Alabama, there's some high praises from some people. There's some that, that don't sing his praises. But for the reality here is he brings a, a really an NFL game. He can play three downs. He can rush the passer. He can play in coverage. Yep. He's got range to make tackles, something that I don't think you see often in middle linebackers. And this is a golden rule I've always shared is when your Mike linebacker slow, your mm-hmm. defense is slow. And so when you get a Mike linebacker that can run, like that's why Keekley's so effective, and that's why Carolina's team speed on defense looks so good, because their Mike's so fast. Yep. And it also helps you, Tate, in the red zone. When you're really a good at Mike linebacker, the, your red zone defense is much better because you can cover ground. So I like Foster. I would give Foster a C grade in terms of in our grading system, which eventually it will come up on, on the ringer. I wrote about the grading system and the Patriots use now, which was started back in Cleveland. Uh, the C grade is you, you really need to be careful on the character. you got to make sure the first rule of scouting is this. Learn more about the player before you get him than after you get him. And with yeah. Reuben Foster's case, you better make sure you know what you're getting. Yep, gotcha. Number 10 on offense, Mike Williams, wide receiver Clemson. Mike Williams had an incredible run right. last year. Was probably the most electric player on the field in the National Championship game, just as far as like offensive side of the football he could do amazing things, back shoulder catches. He looks like he could be a star wide receiver. What do you see from Mike Williams? Well, you know, the hard thing about doing receivers is you can't see him against press covers. But what I like about Mike Williams is Par- Parcells had a great line one time talking about Mark Bavaro. He said, you know, even when he's covered, he's open. Big guys can be open when they're covered. Yep. And Mike Williams has shown that. He's not going to win with his quickness and his lateral speed or his vertical speed down the field. He's got like that Treadwell style of play, although Treadwell doesn't really demonstrate it this year at the Vikings. 
but he can make his catch radius is huge. And I think if for the right team, and he can't, he's not a number one receiver. This is the biggest misnomer Tate in, fo- in football is all these one receivers. There's about five number one receivers in the league. That's about it. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit like the point guard era in the NBA. You know, there's there's so many of them, and then the, everybody else is a good player. Uh, this kid's, I think Williams in the right situation could be a number two, but really I think he's most effective would be an inside slot receiver where he can use his size. He can block on the he can block in the run game, and then he can go down the field and make those those jump what I call jump ball catches. He's yeah. a jump ball receiver. Yeah, he's always covered, but he'll come down with the ball. Yeah, he's there for the fades. For people that don't like fades, Mike Williams uh, makes those things happen. Uh, next up, we have number nine. We're back on the defensive side of the football. Derek Barnett, Butch Jones would be proud. Uh, the Tennessee Volunteer himself. What do you think of Barnett? Doesn't Butch? Do you, do you remember a TV show called uh, Gomer Pyle? <laughs> I do not. No. Uh, Gomer Pyle was about this guy. Butch Jones looks just like the, the Sergeant Carter in Gomer Pyle. Every time I see him, he looks like Sergeant Carter. He had the crew cut, <laughs> and he would be bossing Gomer Pyle around. Anyway, uh, I, I think there's always a draft where there's a guy that doesn't test very well but plays really well. Yeah. T. Uh, Terrell Suggs, when he came out, two years ago it was it was um, Trey Flowers at, at Arkansas, and mm-hmm. we drafted him in, in New England in the fourth round. This is the kind of kid, he doesn't test well, but all he does is make plays. I mean, he broke Re- Reggie White's sack record. He's second in the team, to le- second in Tennessee history to Leonard White in terms of sa- tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and he's only a junior. Yeah. He's got the ability to, to rush. He plays competitive, and he knows how to play. Ignore the testing numbers. I think Barnett's going to be a really good pro. Yep. Uh, number nine, we're going back to the offensive side of the football. This is fun. Pat Mahomes, or Patrick Mahomes. I love how all the quarterbacks yeah. are trying to make themselves sound more distinguished, because yeah. if you don't have that, then you sound like a bust. That's so. why I call myself Michael, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Michael Lombardi. Yeah, yeah. Michael Lombardi sounds like a bust. Yeah, no, he's uh, a barber from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so Pat Mahomes, uh, he's kind of jumping up draft boards. You have him number nine. It's the only other quarterback. Oh, Actually, he's behind two other quarterbacks on your I list. I got three quarterbacks in my top. Yeah, can yeah. you imagine that? Uh, look, I think Mahomes is coming on to people. I, I I hate the Texas Tech. I like Cliff Clingsbury a lot as a coach. I don't like the Texas Tech offense. It's a seven-on-seven passing game. The protections yep. are really bad. Uh, the, they have no real run game. The burden of responsibility lies on the quarterback. But I think Mahomes' talent in terms of his personality, his arm strength, and the intangibles that I wrote about a couple weeks ago, I think he has them. I think Mahomes is a developmental player in this sense. I think next year he red shirts and then the year after I think he becomes a starter in the NFL and I think he's going to be good enough to carry. He's got a little bit of Jimmy Garoppolo in style the way he plays. Yep. He's a good enough athlete. He can move. He can do some things. I think he would be a perfect guy if Kyle Shanahan's offense in terms of the West Coast, uh, the, the the outside zone run with the West Coast combination. I like Mahomes. I think he's got the I think he's got the right fit for the right team. It seems like he's one of those guys, Mahomes, where he can rely on his running for the first few years to kind of get him in a right. position where he can actually develop he's gonna, his hey, Look, what people don't Understand is, and I hate this term. This is I, I'm gonna one of the day we're gonna do a podcast of all the things I hate. The, 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 the this term, and he runs a pro offense. That thing at Texas Tech is so far from a pro offense, yeah. it's beyond even comprehension. I yeah. mean, it's just it's a seven on seven passing league that you see in Florida for the high schoolers. That's what it is. I love Cliff, but that's what it is. It's basically like running like four verticals. If that's you're what they like run. A Madden and nobody game. knows yeah. it. Yeah, it's Madden football. That's yeah. exactly what it is. It's Madden football. Uh, next up, back on the defensive side, Adore Jackson. Oh, this uh, is my favorite guy in the draft. Favorite guy in the draft. From I love USC, this guy. the Trojan, uh, just a true athlete. Honestly, a great defensive back prospect. 
You love this guy. You believe in him. What do you see from Jackson that really stands out to you? I see rare quickness. I see rare instincts. I see rare balance. And I see rare speed. Yep. And I see somebody who can make plays for a defensive player, Tate, Mm -hmm. on four downs. Okay, that's a hard thing to do. Some guys can make plays as an offensive player on four downs. But this guy can make plays as a defensive player on four downs. Uh, Trust me, after week six of the season, we're going to be doing a podcast. And he's going to be starting for some NFL team. And quarterbacks ain't going to throw the ball over that way. Because he's got that ability to... To make plays on the ball. And I hate this crap. Another one of the pet peeves is, you know, he jumps routes or he guesses. Do you tell me a great corner who didn't jump and guess? Yeah. Rod Woodson, when he played at Pittsburgh, the first thing you'd always do is double move Rod Woodson because he was going to jump a route, but you never did it twice to him. Same thing with Jackson. Jackson's smart. He plays in balance, which is critical for corners. Mm-hmm. I love this guy. This guy, to me, I, I, I don't understand how he's not in the t- If Desmond Trufant, who I loved coming out in college, yep. this guy's a better Trufant player. Wow. Uh, next up, number eight. On the offensive side of the football, David Joku, a great game, a great name. I like. Uh, how, I'm glad you said it. Yeah, a great tight end for the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, I really like Joku. I watch him a lot in the ACC. I think he's going to be a really good player. I like that you have him on this list. But what is it beside Joku? Obviously, can catch the ball. I think he can block pretty well too, right? Do you believe that? Well, he can I think grow he's going to have to learn how to block. He's yeah. not a great block. He's a get in the way blocker. Yeah. So to me, I put him as an F. I think he's a really good F, and that means he's the guy who lines up behind the line of scrimmage in the two tight end formations. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be able to handle defensive ends in the league right away, but eventually he can. Looks just the great. This guy's from the great state of the Garden State of New Jersey, so you got to love a little bit more there. And the fact he was the national state high jump champion. That's incredible. Yeah, that you talk he's about an athlete. He's a huge athlete. And he's got he's got hops like my man from the Milwaukee Bucks, who I've fallen in love with. He's got those kind of hops. I'm not saying his name, but he's got those kind of hops. <laughs> and, and the reality is, is he can make plays. He can challenge the middle of the field. And I think that's why he's going to be a really good pro down the line. It's going to take a little bit of time. He's not going to come in and just dominate right away. But he's a mismatched guy. It's hard to find a guy that you can put on him that you feel like he to me I break receivers down counting the tight ends as centers small forwards power forwards point guards and off guards this guy would be a great power forward receiver in your receiving core yeah and he runs a 4-6 so he's yeah. he's not a huge chance yeah huge chance uh next up number 7 back on the defensive side Marshawn Lattimore a guy from Ohio State that a lot of people have been talking about recently what do you see from Latt- Lattimore when i see the name Lattimore i immediately think of Marcus Lattimore so i just what a tragic yeah, that's hard i know so that's tough so i'm pulling for Marshawn Lattimore, just for the namesake. You know, other than durability, this guy's got the complete package. He's got some hamstring issues that keep creeping up all the time. It keeps him off the field. But he's another guy. Now, he's what I call a small forward corner. He can play the outside quadrant of the field. He makes plays on the ball. His ball skills are great. Mm-hmm. He's got great balance. I think he can go and take the, the, the small forward receiver away from the game. He's got great feet. He can turn. He has no wasted motion, and he's got great instincts. I think he's the best corner in the draft. My man Jackson's close to him. The only reason I haven't put Jackson ahead of him is Jackson. Jackson's not 190 pounds. He's not big enough. He's yeah. People worry about that, as I would. So, But Lattimore's got that kind of skill to make plays on the ball, and he's athletic enough to take away the, the – the, not that he's going to take away Antonio Brown, but those are the kind of receivers he can match up on. Yeah, guys in the slot that are quick. He can, or, yeah. or on the outside. He's going to be yeah. better on the outside than he's going to be on the inside because the – the, the guys on the outside, their athleticism and their ball-making ball, ball making ability down the field, I think he can handle it. He's a six-foot corner that can run. Yep. Uh, number seven, Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback from North Carolina. Trubisky has added the Mitchell, used to be Mitch, now Mitchell. Bruce Arians actually came out today and said that, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he doesn't believe in the experience that Trubisky has had just playing 13 games in North Carolina. You have him ranked number seventh. What do you see in Trubisky that you really think uh, where he has the upside to be a good NFL player? You know, I, I'm, a, I'm with Bruce 
Chiefs, I worry about them, but I think you're going to have to take somebody who's going to take a chance on them, and you're going to have to manage them. Do I think he's the franchise quarterback? No. Do I think he's going to start in year one? That would be another no. But I think potentially down the road, once you learn more about him and what you can do around him, remember, quarterbacks are like baseball stadiums. You've got to build your team around them. And Trubisky, I think, would have to have the certain kind. He's got to have a really good run game, and he's got to have some of those jump ball receivers that can make plays. But I put him here because I think there's too much talent to overlook him. I think he's got to, at a position that most teams need. But I'm like Arians. I worry about why. I worry about why it hasn't happened, why it took so long. But, you know, the uh, people I talk to in the league come back to me and say, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers only started the 16 games at Cal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a great point. So maybe I'm being too hard on him. I don't want to be the picker scout who just picks on him not playing. Yeah. So I backed away and said, okay, fine. There is enough talent here. But the thing that sticks to me, Tate, is every time he plays against good teams and he gets behind in a game, his numbers don't rally. That's yeah. what I get. That's what I worry about. But I, I like Trubisky. I don't love Trubisky. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, next up, number six, Jamal Adams, uh, defensive specialist, defensive back for LSU. Sort of reminds me of Eric Reed, if you remember Eric Reed, who also went down. Better LSU. tackler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what he reminds me of. He can tackle better than Eric Reed. He's more physical than Eric Reed. I think he'll play better closer to the box. Uh, I think in, in today's game, you know, he's a big hitter. Not that, the, you know, not, the, the defenseless rule in the middle of the field kind of has taken that away. So, but I, I like Adams. I wish he could cover the slot receivers. I wish he could be an adjustment backer in, the, in a nickel scheme. I, I worry about him on the third level of the defense, but I like his toughness. I like his temperament. I like his athleticism. I, I like a lot about this player. I think he'll come in. He'll start from day one, and he'll help your secondary tremendously. And we the, the much maligned offensive line this year, a lot of people have talked about it. You've talked about it specifically on this podcast about how you feel about the position in general. The first offensive lineman on the board, number six, Ryan Ramzik, offensive guard out of Wisconsin. Yeah, he played tackle, but he's a guard. You know, he's a kid who transferred from uh, these these guys that transfer, which is a good thing. They transfer from the Division three schools up to Division one. Yeah. So he went from lacrosse. It's a natural progression. Yeah. Well, it's a great. So he, and he showed he could do it. You know, and he's going to have to come overcome the injury. But I think he's a really he could be a really good guard. He's kind of in the. A Zach Martin term uh, that the way he went at, at Notre Dame. I think that's the kind of player this guy could potentially be. I think he's got toughness. He's got size. He can maul you a little bit. He can run block. Uh, I think he starts for a team midway through his rookie season or perhaps the second season. I don't think he's a day one starter, p- perhaps because of the injury, but I think he's a guard. I don't think he's a tackle. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, rumors swirling around that the Eagles may be looking at him for number 14. So I, I think, you know, look, that. I think teams are going to do this, Tate. I think teams are going to say, if we don't get a lineman now, when are we going to get Get one. Yep. And so, even though I only have two in my top ten, there might be more guys. Far slant might go. There might be other guys go because if you pass a guy, teams will say, "Well, then we got no chance to get him in the second. So that could because the law of supply and demand. Remember, we studied that in college. Yep. That affects the offensive line. Uh, number five, Solomon Thomas out of Stanford. Solomon Thomas, uh, North Carolina played them in the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Solomon Thomas took over that entire game. Right. People haven't watched that game. He is a fierce guy on the defensive line. He makes a lot of plays. He disrupts a lot of things. I think Solomon Thomas is a guy that's going to be a real player, and obviously you do too. Yeah, I, I like Solomon. I think he, I think he's kind of a, a, a player that can do a lot of things, and he does one. Th- he can, and his versatility makes him very effective. Mm-hmm. He can play on the a defensive end on first down and set the edge for your defense. And then when he goes inside, he's got to be a nickel rusher inside. And that's where he's got to work at his game. He's a little bit tight. He's got to be able to use that quickness. He's had one of the best ten times when you go through the the NFL Combine numbers. Especially for defensive linemen, you want to look at the ten time and see what they get off. He gets off the ball really well, and forget the forty time as much as what his ten 
time was. His 10 time was outstanding. I think it was in the 161, 160. That's great. Mm -hmm. And so he's got to be able to do that. I think the team that drafts him has to be a four-man line team. He can't play in the 34. He's not a five technique. He's not a nose. He's somewhere between a base end as an outside end, and he comes in and plays nickel tackle. And I love his temperament. I love his depth. I love the kind of player he is and how important football is to him. Does he remind you a little bit of Aaron Donald? He's a, yeah, he does. He's, yeah. You know, he's kind of in the same build. Aaron Donald's not a big man. Yeah. But Aaron Donald. So quick off the ball. Right. And Aaron, But Aaron Donald was a little better as a pass rusher coming mm-hmm. out. I think that's what you hope this guy can become. Yep. Number five, going back to offensive, Cam Robinson. Another offensive lineman. Yeah. Wow. We're really moving up in the world from Alabama. Cam Robinson's probably viewed as the top offensive lineman in the draft. You know, I, I think it goes back and forth. The shoulders worry you. Everybody at Alabama seems to have shoulder injuries. Mm-hmm. Why, I don't know. I mean, uh, Jonathan Allen, who we'll talk about later, has shoulders. This kid has two sh- has shoulder problems. Work on that pad level, Nick Saban. Yeah, you got to work on the pad level. That's right. <laughs> I-, I like this kid. I think he's going to be better suited to play guard, maybe even right tackle. The other thing I think about, this is another pet peeve of mine, there's no such thing as a right and left tackle. Both tackles have to block the edge and yep. handle it. So I think he's a guard. He's long. He's athletic. He can run. Al Davis drilled this into me. Offensive linemen that are going to be top have to be able to run. They can't be 5'4 guys. Their foot speed shows up. I think this kid can run. I think he's got an, enough. He's blocked three years at a high level of competition. Yep. Somebody's going to get a starting guard, starting right tackle in this situation. Number four, Hassan Riddick, outside linebacker out of Temple. Big big deal for Temple getting in the top five here. You know, I, I think I, I think this is a sleeper guy. I think a lot of people in the league really like him. Is Nobody, this a Philly bias? Now that no, I'm seeing no, this, I think no, this might no, be a Philly no, no bias. No, no Philly bias here. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I I kept I kept tasty cake out of it. it it's a uh, I think this kid's. It's hard to find linebackers that can play in a 34 defense that can rush the passer and play in space. Hard to do. Most of these guys that do it can't. When they get in space, they look like Herman Munster running around back there. They can't move. They, they're they're off balance. They, they can't change directions. And, and good offensive coordinators put them in position to where they're not rushing. Yep. To me, Riddick can rush, and he can drop in coverage. He can also play Sam linebacker. If you, like, say Seattle wanted to draft him, he mm-hmm. would be the ideal Sam backer for them. He would be, be a better Bruce Irvin for them because he can rush and he can play linebacker. Irvin could really only rush. They trained him to be a linebacker. Yep. So I, I think he could be a really good Sam. I think he's got the great temperament. Plus, he went down to the senior bowl, and I thought he really played well, and he shined down there in that game. I think this guy's a day one starter for a team at a position that's hard to find. Every team in college football has guys that can go forward. Very few teams have the guys that can go forward and go back. Riddick's one of those guys that can go forward and go back. Great. Uh, Number four on the offensive side of the football, your guy, your favorite quarterback. I'm the president of the fan yeah, club. The number one guy for Deshaun Watson, the quarterback out of Clemson, the national championship quarterback. I don't think you could ever get over what he did to Alabama. A lot of people can't. I know that you can't. Deshaun Watson has been torn apart because we've seen him on the <laughs> national stage for so long that everyone wants to talk about and nitpick everything. People talk about his interceptions. People talk about his arm strength, whatever it is. Regardless, Deshaun Watson seems to be a winner, and you're buying into I, that. I, I'm completely into Deshaun Watson. And, and, you know, this whole notion that you can't draft him too early. I mean, it, look, if he can change the culture in your building, mm-hmm. like Dave, like Derek Carr did at the Oakland Raiders, if, if your quarterback can go into your building and change the culture and, and have guys buy in and believe in him, which is huge— which is tremendously over, not uh, it's understated around the league. Watson can do that. Plus, he can play. Now, I think you got to build the right team around Watson. You need jump ball receivers with them. You need big receivers with huge wingspan around them. But I think this guy's got all the intangibles to be a really good player starting out. If I'm the Houston Texans, I think he fits perfectly what they do. I just I'm the president of the fan club. I got no problem admitting it. 
I think it's a well-earned honor. I think that's really nice. Hey, he hasn't given me the job, though. Yeah. I'm applying for it. It's you and Dabo Sweeney that are fighting for that spot. <laughs> yeah. uh, number three on defense, uh, Malik Hooker coming out of Ohio State. Another guy in the backfield um, that can make plays. We've seen him a lot about at Ohio State. He seems like a very athletic guy. A lot of upside. He was very upset with Lewis Riddick recently. So he's like, you know, getting mad at the pundits. So he's he's speaking back to the world about people commenting on his on his game already. Well, so look, I mean, when you play a lot of football, you're going to miss some tackles. That yeah. goes with that goes without saying. I mean, show me a safety that doesn't miss tackles. I mean, Earl Thomas misses tackles. I mean, we have Earl Thomas on on as the greatest safety that's ever played the game, and he's a great player. Yeah. But he misses tackles too. I could show you the Super Bowl we missed tackles when we played him. So Hooker to me is a more of a modern day safety. He checks boxes. Okay, he's long, he's athletic, he's instinctive. He can make plays on the ball. He can play in the middle of the field. He can play down low. He can play on two levels. And the, the fact that he's not this monstrous hitter that he's going to blow it, you can't be one anymore in the NFL. You mm-hmm. can't. I mean, the rules prohibit you from having the guy in the middle. The Ronnie Lots are an extinct position now. And so to me, Hooker represents a more modern day safety that can play and shows range, and he's a true free safety. That's why I have him there. So a lot of people were doing the comparison. I think what he got upset about was people were saying that Jamal Adams out of LSU, who you mentioned earlier, who's seventh on your list, was better than him at safety. So they were getting in this argument. I think they made the comparison that it was like Taylor Mays and Earl Thomas. Yeah, but and Taylor, I, I don't think that's I don't think I think yeah. both those guys look like they're real NFL players. No, no, no slight yeah. to Taylor Mays, but, but Taylor Mays is really level. a linebacker. Yeah. He's got to play in the box. Uh, and Adams can play high. I think Adams is a really good zone player. Uh, we didn't talk about this when we mentioned him, but to me, where Adams excels is he's always breaking on the ball before the it leaves the quarterback's hands. He's got great zone awareness. Yep. Hooker does as well. I just think Hooker's more of a modern day safety in terms of you need a guy that can play and show range and cover the field without creating a problem with, by him having uh, you know, the defenseless rules showing up. And I think that's what you need today in the safety. I think you need a playmaker back there, and I think he's one of them. Number three on offense, the man that Toby Gerhardt is so jealous of, he does not know what to do with himself. Yeah. Number three, Christian McCaffrey, the running back from Stanford. McCaffrey took no private workouts with anyone. He said that it wasn't worth worth it. We we debunked the whole thing that it did matter. So Christian McCaffrey is banking on himself, expecting to get a shot in the NFL. You have him ranked as number three. What do you see from McCaffrey that you really believe that he's going to be like a game changer on the well, field? He can do a lot of things. He's versatile. Okay, first of all, if he if he couldn't play in the slot, he wouldn't be this high. Okay, yep. because the number one thing he's going to have to do in pro football is show he can pass protect. So if he's in the backfield, he's got to be able to at least block somebody. Because then if he can't block anybody, everybody knows when he's in the game, he's either getting the ball in the screen or he's a, he's going out in the pass because he's not blocking. Yeah. So then he becomes one dimensional. He becomes a play. He becomes like a Tavon Austin type thing. Which yeah. yeah, and so you can't have that. So by lining up in the slot and using his quickness, he becomes more effective. If his game can improve to where he can pass protect, then all of a sudden, instead of running plays for McCaffrey, you can run an offense for McCaffrey. That's what you have to get to, and that's what I think he can eventually get, get become. That's why I like him. I think he's got the toughness. He's got the temperament. He played in a, in a pro style of offense in terms of the running game, the power play. So I think he does know how to do that. I think in the right role, in the right situation, he's just not a utility player. I think he can play forward, and that's why I have him so high. I love his quickness. I love his competitiveness. I love his hands, and he can make plays on four downs. You know, he's got the return ability, plus he can play on all three downs. So he's a four-down player. I like four-down players. Do you think that he can be a Darren Sproles, but maybe even more That's what he has to aspire to become as Sproles. He's just got to be able to get in the way. He's got to be able to pass protect, whether he cut blocks or get just get in the way. Because if you can't do that, then when he's in the game, 
the defensive coordinators are too good. They'll just they'll just they'll know what you're doing, and then all of a sudden, like what they do with Tavon Austin, you're running a play for Tavon. You're just run, you're not running your offense. And when you have that, you really become stagnant. Yep. Uh, number two, Jonathan Allen, defensive tackle out of Alabama. A lot of people have talked about him. He's a star. He's got a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, what do you see from him just being able to to dominate on the interior? You know, last year Belichick and I went down to Alabama and we were uh, going through all his prospects. And then after the workout, we went over to Saban's house and we had dinner. And we started talking about some of the players and some of the guys that didn't come out and some of the guys that did come out. What did you guys have for dinner? Quick, quick you know, sidebar. We had, uh, they made uh, chicken. They made chicken. They had pie. I mean, it was pretty good. Oh, Nick nice. didn't do any of the cooking. Oh, of course. Nick didn't do any of the cooking. It was good, though. <laughs> it was really good. And so what what we talked about is is really, and I think this is the most important thing about Allen, he can rush from the inside as a big guy. Mm-hmm. Hard to find those guys. Yep. When you ask, when you ask about like the other guys that have come out of Alabama, Saban would say, well, they're good, but this guy can rush on, on all downs. And I think that's where Allen gets the advantage. Again, if his medical's clear, he should be the second defensive player taken off the board. He's mm-hmm. by far that good. I don't care about his workout. He's got a really good burst, get off the football. Maybe his vertical jump isn't as good as people want it to be. But when you watch him play in the highest level of competition, he's had 28 sacks inside against some really good players. He can transition, which is the hardest thing to do for defensive linemen, especially tackles, is when it's when you think it's run to transfer in a pass rush. You have to have quick feet, and you've got to be able to do that. And Allen can do that really well. So, you know, to me, that's why I have him. So I think he's a can't-miss player. He can play a th- – he's a – He's like Gerald McCoy. He can play on the three technique. He's a big man. He's athletic. I like him. To me, it all comes down to his medical. Yep. Uh, Number two on offense, Leonard Fournette, a guy that people have been talking about, it seems like, four or five years at this point. Finally going into the NFL draft. It looks like he's climbing up draft boards. I've seen him go as high as number two on some people's draft boards. Yeah, you know, I saw that, too. And I I got to think, does anybody remember that Kyle Shanahan drafts running backs in the fifth and sixth round? (laughs) You know, like that Mike Shanahan's never taken a bat. Like, they always find a guy in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, the Alfred Morris. Terrell Davis, Alfred Morris. I mean, you know, Mike Bell. I mean, they always find some guy that comes in and gains a thousand yards for him. So to, to think they're going to spend it on Fortnite, I don't think so. But look, I think Fortnite, Fortnite has had a disadvantage playing in the 9-on-7 offense at LSU. I think people now can see that he's got perhaps a chance. He's not a great pass protector, but he's got good enough hands that if he can become more of a space player, mm-hmm. if he can use that big body, and I've said this on the podcast before, Buddy Ryan talks about you know, there's a place in football for the little man, it's just not in front of the big man. This is a big man. Yep. And if you get him in space against those little men, he could do a lot of damage. And I think that's why people are starting to believe in him. It's going to come down to the same thing for McCaffrey. It comes down for Fournette. Got to be able to pass protect if he can do that he's he can be a dominant player he's going to be a better you know all-around player than say adrian peterson who just needs the ball in his hands and i think fournette can and that'll help his durability too to get him out of that inside tackle stuff and taking the pounding i like the guy a lot and now we finally made it here Number the top one. yeah the top two it's like, spots it's like america what is that it's like uh what's that show ryan seacrest it's american oh, american idol yeah, yeah, yeah we finally did what it. happened to that show is it off now uh, i think so i, I, just I gave up after taylor hicks won i was like if this guy can win that then it really doesn't matter yeah do you remember the, who taylor hicks is? yeah i do remember the yeah, the gray hair and, yeah, he's and, probably playing in some bar in birmingham right now yeah i randy jackson he tried to hold on for as long as he could i think once <laughs> randy left america gave up uh number one miles garrett texas a&m the guy that is pretty much the 
presumptive number one pick in the draft, or at least the top talent in the draft. We've talked about Miles Garrett a little bit here, but when you just think big picture on Miles Garrett, I mean, is he heads and shoulders above anyone else as far as talent in this draft? Yeah, he's class? a trailer player. So, like, when you go to the movies and you watch those trailers for the upcoming movies, yep. and you say, that movie looks really good. And then when you go see the movie, you realize that's the only good part of the movie. Yep. Okay, so that's kind of what Miles Garrett's trailer is really good. You can put his 28 sacks or 16 of them against non-conference opponents, mm-hmm. only 12 in the conference. So you can make a hell of a tape for him, and he's got great skill. He's got unique ability. He's big. He's long. He's athletic. It really comes down to how much he loves football and what his motor is. If he does that, the sky's the limit. I mean, he's clearly the best talented player in the draft mm-hmm. by by no doubt. He'd be the highest. He's probably the highest rated player on every draft board in the, in the NFL. But whether that motor consistently goes, that's going to be the only question. And the coach has got to get that out of him, and he's got to believe in it. And I think that that's the challenge. Look, the guy comes in the in the Southeast Conference, and he does away with Clowney's uh, freshman rookie record for sacks. Yep. That says a lot about how good he is. And I think maybe he got bored with it. Maybe it just wasn't as much a challenge. And you're hoping that, that he'll turn it back on. And if he does, wow. Yeah. Could be a, one of those things where Hugh Jackson really gets him in there and possibly yeah, and something I th- good I happens think, at Cleveland. You know, I think Greg Williams is the right kind of guy. It'll be the right system for him because it's, it's defensive line friendly. He'll be able to come off the ball. He'll be able to run up the field. I, I think, and look, the Browns are 30th in the league in sacks. They need somebody who can put some pressure on the quarterback. And Garrett's the right fit for him. Finally, we made it. Offense, number one. O.J. Howard, tight end yeah. out of Alabama. We all remember him from the National Championship game where he had an amazing performance. I think it was like, what, 223 yeah. yards, something ridiculous like that. Uh, O.J. Howard looks like a physical specimen himself. You have him ranked as the number one guy on the offensive board. What do you see from O.J. Howard? And are you basically just looking at this guy as a wide receiver, tight end, hybrid, six foot no, six, unstoppable? It, look, type it's of guy. hard to find Y's, okay? Yeah. So there's a lot of guys that can play F. Mm-hmm. The David Reeds in the NFL, those yeah. are F's, okay? It's hard to find on the line wise. Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett. Those are hard guys to find. Eric Ebron's. Or, yeah, I mean, they're hard to yeah. find. So Ebron's an F. Okay, he's an F. <laughs> don't, don't try to sneak him in here. He's not an F. He don't want to block. Tate, he wouldn't block you. I know. I mean, come on. That's why I didn't put him out there. It's just like, too Ebron, fun. No, he wouldn't block you. Are you kidding me? So I like, I think Ys are like the Knights in the chessboard. And when you, the chessboard ranks their pieces. The Knights, the third-ranked pieces in terms of the value. But where Knights do the most damage is in the middle of the field. Where tight ends do the most damage is in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. And they're versatile. And so when you can line up in 12 personnel, which is one back and two tight ends, and you can be ultimately become a 13 team or you can become an 11 team where you have three receivers because you can take the second tight end and flex them out. The defense now has to decide, do we stay in nickel or do we go to base? If they stay base, it becomes a problem. So you can be versatile without having a substitute. That's the key to football. That's the key to basketball, where basketball moves their players around. One guy's playing point and then he moves to off guard. And you can move pieces without substituting, then you become a really talented team. And when you have a guy like Howard, you become really talented because he's the and he allows you to move everything around, he makes the other players better. And that's why he can play on the line, he can block, he can make plays in the middle of the field. I think it's a no-brainer. I think he's the best offensive weapon that you can utilize. And if teams know how to utilize tight ends, which the Patriots obviously do, and Carolina has done in the past, I think they can become hugely valuable. And I think Howard's really good because he can play on the line. That's the key. All these other tight ends in the draft, the Mississippi, those guys, they're more Fs. 
Fs are going to be more common. It's the guy that can block and, and protect against a, a nine technique or block in the run game against a tough Sam linebacker. Howard can do that. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, and this is probably a lot of Carolina Panthers people, but have said that he's like the perfect uh, counterpart. You know, you have... Uh, he would be perfect Yeah, you have Greg, and then you have him. You have a two-tight end system. It's sort of like the 2010 Patriots, the way that they would set it up. And then you never up. substitute. Yeah. Then, see, you don't substitute. It's a little bit like when and, and, and when the Bulls were great, they had Jordan and Pippen. And then you would try to substitute when they moved Jordan from point to off or moved Pippen from small to power. And then you're trying to match up to it. Yep. You have to substitute. They don't. So as soon as you substitute, they shift around. It's like Rubik's Cube. You never catch up to them. Yeah, you're so always one step behind. You're yeah. always one step behind. So that's the key. That's what the Patriots are trying to do with 12 personnel. They're trying to be versatile without substituting. That's what they want to be. And if you can get that, that's hard to do because oftentimes what happens is you sit there and say, well, I'd rather have a third receiver on the field than this backup tight end. Good point. So then they become an 11 team. But when you can get a guy like Reed or you can get a guy that can make plays in the slot, then you go to this 12 thing, all of a sudden you've got two, you can really do a lot of damage. Yeah, that all checks out. Those are our 20 answers. We said we were going to give you 21 answers. This is just my one guy, my one answer that I think a team can really take a shot on this guy. Wide receiver out of LSU, a five-star guy coming out. Really didn't get quite a shot because there was just Brandon Harris and the whole LSU quarterback situation was a mess. But Malachi Dupree is a guy that I really like, Lombardi. Can you, can, am I right in thinking that or Look, am I wrong? I watched, I watched LSU all year, and then my son was at Louisville this year, and they played him in a bowl game. And I, and I remember tweeting out that LSU has some unique talented players players on offense and Dupree was one of them I mean he's what the the, the I mean Al Davis would love the kid because he's a state triple jump champion yep. when you're a triple jump champion that means you can really run forget what your time was you can really run that's verified and it's not win aided so uh, you know I think he's a raw player I think he's going to have to learn everybody at LSU in the receiving and on offense has got to learn a new language because what they were running at LSU that 9 on 7 offense is mm-hmm. really bad and some of those kids paid a price for it because they weren't exposed to a really good offense I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, you can argue it. You know, Ed Orgeron's not going to be happy with me, but the reality of it is it's a bad offense. and It's not a modern-day offense. And so I think these guys pay a price. But that, that's why the receiver board's so hard to do, because if you don't do receivers from one to 400 of them, and there's more of them than anything, you there's these guys in the fourth and fifth round could end up being better than guys you pick in the second because they'll develop into being a better player. So you have to know all the receivers. I like this kid. My sleeper is a kid named Aaron Jones from UTEP. He's a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a kid that came out he, two years ago when I was doing him. I thought he was going to, two years ago, I thought he was a really good player. And then all of a sudden, he got a knee injury. But this kid reminds me a little. He's got some Curtis Martin. He does His 40 time isn't great. He's got some Curtis Martin style in his running. He's really effective with the ball. He can do a lot of things. He can catch. Playing at UTEP against level competition, I think this guy's a really good sleeper player. There's my sleeper. There's 22 players for you. Yeah, it's 22. So we promised 21. We offered up 22. There you go. That's right. It's just generosity. That's here at GM Street. That's basically what the G stands for. Uh, And now we're going to wrap this thing up. Word on the street, the segment where we throw out news stories Mm -hmm. and try to figure out what's going on. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, First thing up, word on the street. Kirk Cousins comes out and says he wants to be wanted. He wants to play somewhere where he's wanted. Kirk Cousins, can can someone just want him finally? (laughs) You know, there's a great scene in The Sopranos where – Big pussies in a car with uh, the FBI agent, and the FBI, and he hands him over the, all this stack of money, and 
And the FBI agent says to him, he says, you know, Puss, you got to understand, you know, I'm your best friend. And Pussy says to him, you know what? My best friend's in that envelope. He's Ben Franklin. He's in yep. that envelope. Well, you know what, Kirk Cousins, that, your best friend is the money they're paying you. Yeah. That's the, they're showing you Just the love. Just take the money, Just take Kurt. the money. Just like Pussy, he understands where the love comes from. The love's from Ben Franklin. There yeah. it is. Take the coin. Don't be stupid. Uh, yeah, I, I get so tired. Do you, do you want us to send him a card? Yeah, that's what he just wants people to love I him. I mean, come on. I love Kirk Cousins, but grow up. Come on. You're getting 24 freaking million dollars. Just accept it. Just, what more do you need to be loved? Yeah, get a beach house. Enjoy it. Yeah. Live I mean, your life. Exactly. You can do it, Kirk. I promise. Uh, next up, Dalvin Cook <laughs> running back house. out of Florida State. Sliding into the second round. Yeah, Dalvin he's, Cook. He's taking a slide. I mean, yeah, you know, what's lot, that about? I think injury's a factor. I think okay. character's a factor. I think, you know, look, as I said earlier in the podcast, the first rule of scouting, learn more about them before you get them than after you get them. I think this is one of the situations. And I know everybody at Florida State saying, no, he's really a good. There's some issues that you got to deal with and you got to understand. You got to say to yourself, is this worth bringing him in? And there's a lot of good backs in the draft. So, uh, you know, he went from being head of Fournette to now he's behind yep. McCafferty and maybe even sliding down. So, uh, you know, I think the medical has a lot to do with it as well. See, medical, when you, these mocks come out, they don't have the medical grades in them. So they don't really, like Allen's got a medical, and some teams have other players on a medical. You know, like John Ross, the wide receiver from Wisconsin, yep. Washington. His medical's atrocious by some teams. Now, maybe some other teams it's not. But when he starts slipping on draft day, it's more because of the medical than because all of a sudden he's not a good player. So it's not always character is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, the NFL schedule is uh been, been tinkered around there's some there's some thoughts there's some little things that have been yeah. jumped out there maybe what the Thanksgiving game would be yeah. but the main thing that we have coming out is that Monday night football they want it to be better they it want be better be. Monday night football games it used to be the best games I mean now it's the worst games mm-hmm. I mean do you think we're going to see Blake Bortles on Monday night again I mean I don't want to have to deal with that uh, I hope they do give ESPN pays the most money they should give them the better games yeah I mean at least give them one or two good games a year it's so hard to and I think what happens with the schedule is they get they give ESPN some of these games where, you know, the team that they thought was going to be good doesn't end up to be end up as well. So they end up in the season and they got these really dud kind of games. Meanwhile, NBC's flexing out of their bad games and getting good games. So uh, I would like Monday night to be much better. I was encouraged today, though, Tate, that Thanksgiving we're going to have a little che- pumpkin cheesecake because my man Ben McAdoo's Giants will be playing the Redskins yep. allegedly. I don't know if this will be true, but that's always good. I think I think we should have Ben McAdoo on Thanksgiving Day for everybody to enjoy and watch him call. Play. I could just see it right now. Yeah, it's just comedy. It's it's high comedy. It'll be yeah, great. I love it. Uh, next up, the NFL. There's an NFL scout that came out, Lombardi. I don't know if you've seen this. No, I haven't. TJ Watt. He ranked TJ Watt, younger brother of JJ Watt, gave him a higher grade than JJ Watt coming out of the draft. You know, I, I I don't know if that's if you know I did JJ Watt coming out. The JJ Watt in Houston and the JJ Watt at Wisconsin are two different players. Yes. Okay, like that, like yes. he wasn't like I'll, I'll defend the scout here. I'm I'm not in love with T.J. Watt, but I will say this: I think J.J. Watt improved his game when he went to Houston. That, that dynamic, explosive, just take the game over, wasn't always on the Wisconsin tape. I'm not saying anything. It wasn't always on the Wisconsin tape. I could see that. I don't think T.J. I wouldn't agree with this, but I could see the point. Um, and final note for today's GM Street. Aaron Hernandez, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, that situation came out yesterday. A tragic situation, a tragic story for a guy that seemed to have so much promise yeah. and upside uh, once upon a time uh, in football at Florida and then obviously early on with the Patriots. 
hate hearing that news. Um, are there any thoughts that you have just on that? You know, I, that I'll never understand his life. I mean, when I would be around the Patriots and watched him, I never saw a player with better quickness. I never saw a player with hands and can do things. Remember, they line him up in the backfield. He ran the ball. It's really a tragic. I think Belichick talked about this in a CNBC interview. He called it a tragedy. And it's true. But when you take a step back in my profession or my former profession in terms of evaluating players, character becomes so important. Mm. And I think what you learn from the Hernandez thing, and we've learned it all through our careers, is sometimes the people that are on the campus that are telling you about the players are not always telling you what they know, or perhaps they don't even know. And you have to dig deeper. Last week when I spoke to Florida, I told those players down there that, you know, the reality of it is, is their coaches are told to tell you nothing but positive things about their players. That's their job. You have to accept that as an as an NFL. It's a scout. car salesman industry. A You've bit. got to accept yeah. it because that's what they have to do. It helps their program. But as an NFL scout, you got to dig deeper. And I think that's where, you know, we all missed on the character of players. And when you look at some of the situations, the character of this kid and what he was involved with in high school and then in college and then obviously at the Patriots, it's really tragic. And it's uh, he had a chance to, you know, in the wire where, you know, the, those t- those kids have a chance to either go down the right road or the wrong road. Mm-hmm. And some of them go down the right road. Well, Hernandez had that chance to go down the right road. He just couldn't leave it alone. And it almost is reminiscent of, of how bad things get when and you just can't get your background out of your life. Yep. Um, Sometimes it's better to take the road less traveled. Uh, But this has been another edition of GM Street. I really enjoyed the 20 players. I'm glad that we offered two more. We we got a little extra in there. Yeah, that's that's what we're here for. Uh, We will be back next week. The draft is next week. We'll have all types of draft coverage. Lombardi will be doing all things ring-related on the NFL side. You'll probably have some separate interviews. You'll probably be on with Robert Mays, but... We'll also be back for at least two episodes. Yeah, two episodes of GM Street next week. We'll keep you informed. We'll keep you up to date, and we'll keep you all things drafts. Talk to you next week. 